now I think it's just helping you (laughs) figure out how to actually become a profitable business, which is very different from being passionate about something. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to SOS, a live call-in help show with me, your host, Sonia Rasula, founder of Unique Markets. Each week, I answer some of the most pressing questions from entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. We talk about social media. We talk about growing and scaling. We talk about marketing. The reason this podcast exists is because the fact is most businesses will not make it to five years. I've had multiple businesses for over a decade now, and I really want to make sure that you have long-term success. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So tune in weekly as I help business owners face their sh**. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Constant Contact. The reason why I love Constant Contact so much is because first of all, I am a marketing geek, but second of all, for all of us small business owners who complain about the deadly algorithm, I know you know what I'm talking about, the best thing you can do for your business is use email marketing. When you send an email, it actually reaches your customers' inboxes. This is really, really important for everyone listening. Take a second and think about that. Everyone puts so much importance and so much effort towards Instagram. And while I love Instagram, the algorithm is a freaking nightmare. So get on board with email marketing. Constant Contact is who we use for everything. And they've got a special offer for you right now. Calling all small business owners, nonprofit pioneers, and savvy side hustlers. If you're looking for guidance in the noisy world of online marketing, Constant Contact has your back. Their team has the expert guidance, tools, and technology you need to successfully build and market your business. So whether you want to step up your email marketing game with customizable email templates or grow your e-commerce using their Shopify integration, Constant Contact has everything you need to achieve online marketing greatness. To get 30% off your first three months, visit constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the promo code unique at checkout. That's constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the code all caps U-N-I-Q-U-E. Hello. Today, we're speaking with Michelle Zagardo of Lassonde, a brand that sells comfortable, wire-free headbands made from hand-woven natural fibers. Michelle is basically stuck. So we really get into pricing, manufacturing, and tips for social media and photography to help turn her business around. We also find out that we have something in common, narcolepsy, a disorder that causes drowsiness and sudden sleepiness during the day which is actually what inspired her to create her headbands. And remember to stay tuned to the end of the episode for Sonia's top takeaways designed to give you the best nuggets from each episode. Let's dive in. Lassonde is a hair accessories company. It is a company that was started out of my own struggle with chronic illness and trying to find something that was comfortable, was stylish, was fast, and fit into my fashion sense. And then is there something that is, it says that they're wire free. So is there, what is it that makes these headbands so comfortable? The thing that is so awesome about these headbands is that 
every headband has a flexible wire in it. And so it conforms to the exact shape of your head and eliminates all of the uncomfortable pinching, headaches, tension that more traditional hair accessories might give you. Yes, which I'm totally familiar with. It's why I hate wearing headbands. Yes, yes, I know. Me too, but they're like, but they're my power accessories. And I was really trying to figure out what, how do I scale this up so that I can bring these super awesome, super comfortable headbands to the masses or to the world. And do you know of anyone else doing headbands like this that have the wire? Yes. Since starting, I have found a couple of other companies who are doing something similar. Okay. There's no, it's like, there's not like, like someone who's just known for it. No. Okay. So that's great already. The other, so this is random. I don't know if you, if you know much about my story or not. I know a little, but I'd love to hear more. So do you know that I have narcolepsy? I do. Okay. But I didn't know how much you like to talk about it. (laughs) I I mean, I've never really talked about it because no one's ever asked me about it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when we read your application, I was like, this is the first person ever that also has narcolepsy. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, And I can completely sympathize with like what you go through. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. That's why I love everything you do. And I just really like how you manage your time resources, your, all of your resources. I just have been a student of what you do. Oh, thanks. Um, Yeah. Well, it's tough as you know. Um, And I'm sure there are lots of other listeners out there listening right now who also struggle with like chronic illness or disease. And I think that um, you are a great example, you know, as am I of just getting on with your life and not letting it really affect you or um, create like a persona. So I love that you turned the experience of being diagnosed with narcolepsy into a business and like some you know, it helped you discover your passion, which is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think it's just helping you (laughs) figure out how to actually become a profitable business, which is very different from being passionate about something. 100% agree with you. So, so I looked at your website and I looked at your Instagram and the, you know, there's a few things that instantly jump out at me. One of them was the pricing. So I'm glad to hear that you are looking into manufacturing. So you know that you need to get the pricing down, right? Yes. <laughs> and you're currently looking at manufacturers to do that for you? Yes. Is it in the, the materials that you're using or is the price... Are the prices currently those prices because it's you literally sitting there sewing and doing everything? It's a little bit of both. So some of it is a labor cost because I have had to hire friends to sew for me. And so pricing in what they will tell me they will sew for, you know, Mm -hmm. per hour or per piece. Um, Have you looked outside of your group of friends? It's been... I haven't looked outside of my group of friends. It's kind of been a word of mouth thing where so-and-so has a friend who sews and what are you willing to sew for per hour? And It's not how, you know, how much would you like to sew these 
for me. It's like, this is the dollar amount. Either you can do it or I can go on Craigslist and find sewers in the area that can do it. There's also Upwork. There's like, there's so many sites now where you can find qualified people to help you with your business. Okay. That's a great idea. So I'm, I hate to say like bye to your friends, but basically bye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense though. Cause it is and yeah, either they can do it or they can't do it and that's yeah. fine. And that's also, that also protects our relationship. Yes. 100%. <laughs> it gets really tricky. Yeah. Okay. So I'm assuming that that means you're not ordering big quantities right now. Correct. And is that just from fear of spending the money? Yes, absolutely. And not being sure of what people want to buy. Okay. Like in terms of like the patterns or the the colors of the fabric or... Exactly. Like if I spend the money... And so one thing, the current collection on the website is they're all headbands or most of them with the exception of a couple with some of the patterns are all headbands that are coming. Um, it's fabric that I got in, that I bought in India and when I was there in December. And so, um, dealing with importing fabric was a thing. Yeah. And so that played a big role. And I think that in the future, I don't necessarily want to deal with that. And, but ordering large quantities of fabric when I'm not sure. Yeah, um, totally got it. What people are interested in. Because one of the, one of the big things about the current collection is that there were not a lot of patterns and I got a lot of feedback that people would really be interested in this unique texture of the Indian Kadi handwoven fabric. Okay. And so I went big on that and then it turned out that people really wanted the patterns. And so now I have a bunch of solid colored headbands in imported Indian fabric on my website that are kind of sitting there right now because people really miss the patterns. Okay. So, so the hard thing (laughs) with doing what you do is that, I mean, it's good that you're listening to your customers. That's really important. Um, but the other thing is that once you define who you are and who who you're selling to and what your brand is about, when you define that more, I think, then you will find those customers. Because if you're if you're constantly pandering to different customers and to what different people like, that's going to be a really tough business model. So okay. you know what I mean. So like you get some feedback. I know exactly what you mean. And I think that's where I am right now because I'm kind of chasing different consumers depending on who is expressing interest. Right. I mean, you're chasing, you're chasing the money, which is the, the right instinct, (laughs) but. Right. But it it leads to a little bit of confusion in the brand and in the product offering. Yeah. So I think that what you need to do is sit down. Have you ever, have you done a branding exercise for yourself? I've done a bunch, but I'm always open to more. I think sometimes also in periods, there are certain times when I go through like insecure periods and I'm more likely to waver from that just to start experimenting. Okay. So I would suggest that you go back to the drawing table. You know a little bit more about your customers now. And I would say you rethink what the brand is. 
and I, it, you know, that sounds crazy, but you're, you're almost starting from ground zero anyway with manufacturing. So this is the right. perfect time to figure out, like, first of all, what you need to lead with is the comfort factor, right? Okay. At least I think so. So for me, I think that there needs to be much more on your website. So like currently when I go to your homepage, um, there's not, like it's not as enticing as I think it could be. Um, and I think that if you knew your brand a little bit more, um, you'd be able to push that a, a little bit. So like I'm going to give you some direct feedback right now, like for instance on your homepage. Um, Please. So the description is that, you know, like Lasan's SS19 collection was inspired, blah, blah, blah. So essentially what you're doing is you are timing yourself, like you're, you're putting your work into collections, which then means they expire, right? So first of all, I think you should get away with get away from the idea that you're designing collections because the only people, I mean, that's like an old fashioned retail system and that system was dead like 10 years ago. Um, I think your brand, I mean, it's available 24 seven around the world. So I think when you're a brand that is mainly online, your products are timeless someone shouldn't go to the site and, and be able to understand whether it's like spring or summer or fall. They're just going to buy the patterns or the colors that they like and connect with. I think that will help you a lot. Because also if you're designing, if you're designing in an old school retail model where you're designing seasons, you're wasting so much money. It's not going to, it's really hard for smaller manufacturers to keep up because that means you're constant year from year you're trying to come up with new products all the time um and like you said someone like you who's not buying like these large volumes and selling at large volumes yet that's gonna be weird like if you create a collection for spring and then summer and then it's fall already well what do you do with the spring summer collection yeah instead just create product don't put a time or a season to it okay um the second thing, the biggest thing for me is pricing, as you already know. So as long as you know that that is probably going to be your number one barrier to entry, I would say all of your concentration should kind of go towards figuring out how you can manufacture for cheaper. I really switched the brand in the spring from making headbands that were a lot less expensive because I knew that, so as a person with narcolepsy, I am going to have a really hard time running this business by myself. Mm -hmm. And if I make everything myself, then I cannot scale it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the prices that I had before that were in the 20 to $30 range were selling, but were not covering all of my expenses. Right. And allowing me to scale because I was the only person doing it. Right. So then I raised the prices, changed everything, tried to evoke more of a luxury brand feel as all of my competitors are selling headbands in the $70 plus range. Okay. And so 
I guess, I guess I've had a hard time kind of finding the consumer and finding like that, that middle ground between producing in China Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't really make me feel good about things Mm -hmm. versus being a luxury brand. And I know that, I mean, I guess the middle ground is a tricky place. I don't know if you have any advice on that, like how to be, to not sell them for $10 so that I can actually make money and produce them in a way that makes me feel good. That's, you know, sustainable, that's ethical. Mm -hmm. So the key here is that it should not be you producing at all. You are the CEO of the company. So you're running the website, you're running social, you are, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're like, Shipping and receiving, customer service, you're everything. So the yeah. last thing you should be doing. that's that I like to do more. I like, I love, my favorite things are customer service, the photography, um, running social media. Right. I think at this point, I think doing custom pieces is something that I like, but the daily making of the headband is not something that I want to, that's, I want to keep doing right, it. Right, right. So, okay. So my, so my biggest probably takeaway here is that you absolutely have to find someone who can manufacture for you. But once you find that person, and it may not be in, in your state or your city, Los Angeles is a mecca for manufacturing. So most, uh, very little is made in America anymore, as you know, but most of what is, is made in Los Angeles and the greater Los Angeles area. So you may want to start doing research and find a manufacturer. It's not a hard pattern. We're not talking about like a jacket that's lined or, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple headband, except that it's got your wire technology to make it comfortable. So you're going to have to obviously come out here and teach them and take them through that. But in trying to find a manufacturer, I think you can do all of that from where you are. Yes. And you should be able to find people. Uh, the friends thing is amazing. When I first started my company, like all of my friends and family helped, um, but they all did it for free, <laughs> which was great. But if I had, you know, one thing when you were telling me kind of about, uh, you know, you asked them how much they'd be, you know, how much would they be willing to take already? Like you, you've got to change your thinking and put on like the business owner hat. And essentially you should dictate how much you're paying people. And if they don't want to do it, you can find someone else to do it. Okay. Like 100%. It like, that's a really, I think that is kind of the hard, the tough love that I need is that like, I need help with the selling and help with the business decision. Yeah. So I, I think that you need to be a little bit more, um, rigid and you're not, you know, you're passionate about this, but at this, the same time, it's a business and you need to make money and you need to actually pay yourself and be able to make a living. So that would be my thing. My biggest thing when looking at your whole story and everything is the pricing, because I have no doubt that it's, that it is a comfortable headband and like women all over women and men all over would like, this is such an easy solution to like the way you put it, like the lazy Mondays or, you know, like the relaxed Sundays, whatever, like you just whip your headband on, you're done. So there is a huge market for these headbands and the fact that they wouldn't give you a headache or that they're more comfortable. That to me is like a huge selling point of it. Um, and you just need to really 
figure out, uh, you need to start buying in bulk. So you need to go ahead and be, you need to be confident in your decisions. I think you need help with confidence. So I'm telling you right now that you can do it. You cannot buy fabric like at retail prices. You need to be buying bulk. You need to think of yourself as a manufacturer. Um, And so that means taking risk. So you're going to go ahead and choose like the three patterns and the three solids, and you're just going to go with it. Perfect. And so, I mean, do you have any tips on awareness? Because thinking back to, you know, last year when I was selling for between 20 and $30 and mm-hmm. we're selling, but on a daily basis, my website was not getting a huge number of hits. Yeah. So, so you know, I spent some money on Facebook ads. I don't know that that is the right solution for me. Yeah, I think, so there's a lot of things that you can do that will cost money and there's a lot of things that you can do that are free. So some of the free things are, so you've already got social media, you've got Instagram. Um, And so, you know, how often do you push, um, hold on, I'm going to quickly look at your Instagram right now. So you've got a link tree, so you've got all the links there, which is great. Um, I feel like, so many small business owners think that if they have an Instagram, like suddenly they're going to sell a lot, (laughs) but Instagram algorithms are tricky now. So most of your followers don't even see your posts. You should just know that outright. Yeah. I mean, yes, I am very, yes. Yeah. Very acutely aware of that. So that's, which is fine. Instagram wasn't made for business, you know, it's for sharing photos. So, but what that means is you need to utilize stories more because people, if you post stories, people who open them up, they watch them. It's not like Instagram is deleting stories. Yeah. So that's one way, hundred percent, the people who watch them actually watch them. But do you have advice on reaching more? Because my stories, I get a ton of people. When I post stories, I have a lot of people who watch them. Mm -hmm. But I don't, how do you bring in new people that way? Well, no. So what you're not bringing in new people, what you're doing is you are creating loyalty and excitement with the people who do follow you. And keep in mind, and this, this is why the algorithm thing is so tricky. Keep in mind, someone could have started following you a year ago and they haven't seen any of your posts because they're not getting them fed in their feed, but they open stories one day and there you are and they start watching your stories. So you have to keep in mind the value of stories. And then also IGTV right now is really, really big. Okay. And so that's another thing that you can do. It's essentially, it's long form content. So it's any video over a minute. So you could easily show behind the scenes. You could talk about, you could show people the different fabrics that are coming up, or you could even do a video talking about like a sale, like showing people the studio, showing people the extra stock that you have and say that you're going to do a flash sale for July 4th or for whatever time of year it is. Um, that's something that you can do. But so those are free ideas. Those are things that don't cost money. So you should be doing those things anyway all the time. Mm-hmm. The thing about how to get more people to your website is you have to spread the word and you have to get your brand out there. So you can do markets like unique markets or you can do local farmers markets or flea markets. You have to get yourself physically out there into the world so that you can pass your card and your brand to as many people as possible and hope that that starts to have 
a positive impact. And then you can actually start to do adver- advertising, which you had talked about before. So you can do Google ads, you can do Facebook and Instagram advertising. Um, but when you get into those things, those are, those are so, it, aside from Google AdWords, Instagram and Facebook are so visual. You need to be very strategic about what you are doing visually to capture those eyeballs. What would you say about, like if you had a set amount of money and you could afford a publicist or freelance PR person, would you spend that amount of money on a freelance PR person or on Facebook and Instagram ads? So that's a tough question because it's different for every, it's so personal and different with what you're selling and also who the person is that's going to be helping you, like the freelance PR person. So I have sent to like Vogue, um, Travel and Leisure, Elle, a bunch, like I found the market editors on the, um, the masthead for all those people. How many times do you follow up? I would say you follow up once. If you don't hear back, you follow up a second time. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I would analyze your market. And so I'm just, I'm going to be brutally honest with you right now. If I was Vogue or Travel and Leisure and I went to your website and I also went to your Instagram, I would, and I was a market editor, I would think that it wasn't the right product for our audience. Okay. And that, that is based on photography and brand. And those are, those are things that are easy fixes. Do you have any tips on how, like what changes would you make? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I can give you some tips. So first of all, I would think about like, what are some brands that you love and write them down? Like what are brands that you aspire to or think that are similar to your brand and your audience? So let's just go with like anthropology, for instance. I would follow them on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Facebook, and I would really start to learn what they're doing and look at what they're doing. It's very strategic and they have departments and experts that are doing all of this and you can learn for free by stalking them essentially. Um, But that's really important. Most people think that, okay, if I create an Instagram account and I start posting photos, I'll get popular. No, you need to actually like take your brand very seriously and every post kind of has an intention. Um, Right now I'm on, on your Instagram account and there are some, there are some great photos and then there are a lot that are really not great. So you're on the brand account? Yeah. Okay. I'm on the brand account. And so one thing, one thing I'm going to say is this, (laughs) start to analyze. So there's a photo of you maybe in France, there's lilac hanging above you. It's great. You're centered in the photo. That is an Instagram. That is a good photo. Then there's some other photos that are a little just like not, like if it looks pixelated to you, but you're like, oh, but I love the tone or the mood or the color. No, but it's pixelated. Do not post it. There are a bunch of photos of people that are like where the people are on the sides of the photos. And I hate to say this, but Instagram created the game. And if you're playing within the game, you need to play within their rules. The photos that are most popular on Instagram always have a center focal point. And they're usually not very busy. So you look at it in a glance and you instantly know, yes, I'm going to double tap that or I'm going to keep scrolling. So you've got to think about other people, the mindset of other people. And then the last thing is that there, so there are a bunch of photos of doors, (laughs) which if you were a travel account, 
those photos could be great. But because you're not a travel account, like you're trying to sell headbands, I would, again, this comes down to creating a marketing plan and looking at other companies that do similar things as you. I would create an actual Instagram plan, which is what what we do and what we use. So we've, we know that, you know, we need to post so many photos every week. Let's go with, you're going to post seven photos a week, one a day. That's not too challenging. You're probably going to want to do like four photos that relate to product. Cause after all you're selling headbands, you may want to do one or two quotes and then you only have one photo left. And it could be something that's like inspirational or, like blue clouds or a field of flowers, which I see that you have some of that stuff going on now, but the photos also always have other stuff in them. When I say a photo of blue clouds, I literally just mean a photo of blue clouds. So that when you look at your feed all together, it, it looks visually pleasing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's interesting to hear you say this. I do. So I do work, I use an app and I do try to make it pleasing. So it's helpful to hear that it is not. It's not that it's not. It's that some of it is and some of it isn't. So it's just adding that little bit more of strategy in. Um, and, and this is the, this is the biggest thing with people who are trying to create lots of content. They get, they get so overwhelmed with it because it's like, Oh God, I need to post something. So I better take a photo. The easiest thing to do is to repost someone else's photo always giving credit. But the interesting thing about that is that's actually community building. So we do that strategically as a company. Like we need to post products of great designers all over America. So we find them and then we repost them and we talk about them so that we're giving them credit. But really it's laziness if you, you know? Yeah. So, so find other people in your community and post their beautiful photos of flowers or sky or someone relaxing, you know, or messy hair day. Like there, there are other ways. And then the thing is then those accounts and people know about you. Like this is, this is how Instagram really started at the beginning. This is how people built their communities. Okay. So a huge part of my life is travel. And so the brand, and if you go to the blog, a lot of the posts are, about travel and so I was trying to integrate that and yeah to me like I'm gonna I'm gonna be so brutal with you I would say nope get rid of that okay personally it's your passion to travel but this is a business and so until you get so large that you can then start bringing in the travel bit again the it needs to be the focus needs to be on like the comfort and the functionality of your beautiful headbands and a lifestyle around that. And how, so what types of lifestyle images would you post then? I mean, it really could be anything because it could also just be like, you know, beautiful homes, beautiful, it, it, could, it could be anything. It's just more that it needs to, you need to create a palette. You need to think about colors Do you know what I mean when I say that? And then the other last tip about like the photography is the photography of the model that is wearing the headbands. I'm just trying to be super, super brutal so that you can hear it. And if I'm wrong, 
everyone's going to tell me that I'm wrong. They're going to go on and comment and be like, you're being brutal. But the current photos that are selling your product on your website and also on your Instagram of like the one model with purple hair. Yeah. That is a very specific aesthetic and style. And I would Mm -hmm. say you need to make sure that you are being more diverse. You do, I can see you have a number of different models, which is fantastic because diversity is great and it always sells. But the photos, for instance, of them, like some, like they're not smiling or they're not, they look a little moody. So I guess my feedback with the model photography, these are the photos that sell your product. Like everything, someone can find out about you. Someone can go to your Instagram, click to go to your website. The second that they see those photos, those photos don't take your brand to the level that it should be. And I know it can be there. I, the product looks great. It's just that the product photography is not great. And so hopefully that helps. Like people like people that smile. It's just a fact. <laughs> okay. And, you know, so the, if you have a headband, shoot it on a number of different people. Have lifestyle shots, but then also get the shots of it on like a bathroom counter. To be able to see it in a number of different ways will help people see how it could fit into their lives too. And that's storytelling and that will help you sell more of those headbands. But yeah, just with the models, you have to be really careful with model photography because, you know, a model can make or break the photo basically. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. So I hope some of those things helped. I I know there's like so many more questions that you also had, but I think to be perfectly honest, I think we went over the things that were like the most glaring for me. It was price point manufacturing, like I could tell that it was you making all of them and like you, you need to be paying yourself and you need to be aware of your time. You can't work 24 seven. Um, and then really the photography. And I think that if you rethink the brand and get new photography and start to do new patterns, new price points, I think that will all really help instantly. Okay. Thank you. Of course. It's a lot to think about. I'm excited. Yeah. Sorry to to be like, get rid of all of your photography. (laughs) Um, But I think you understand what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just taking a hard, it's taking a hard look and being really picky and step back. And it's not an emotional decision. You need, I do this all the time with unique markets. I'm just like, this is not working. What's not working. I step back and look and I'm like, oh my God, how did we miss that? That we were doing this totally wrong. And then I, I fix it. Yeah. This is really helpful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sonia. Okay, that was a really great episode filled with a lot of great information. Here are my top takeaways. Number one, do not fall into the trap of pandering to the masses. If you are continually chasing after customer after customer after customer, you're not staying true to your brand and what you're putting out into the world. And it is really, really hard financially. Number two, if you are a small business, stop selling seasonal collections. 
That is a very outdated business model. Instead, focus on making products that define your brand, that can be purchased year round, and you won't have to continually be updating designs and trying to offload and sell them. Number three, just because you have an Instagram account doesn't mean that you actually have a viable business. So explore stories, explore IGTV, really use it as a social platform. And when I use the word social, it means that you actually have to be social. Instagram was not created as a platform for you to advertise and talk to other people. It was created all in the spirit of community. So you need to tell your story and talk to others, but you also need to hear what they're saying and talk with them, not at them. That will ensure success that will help you build loyalty and followers. And while those numbers still don't guarantee sales, the more you build community, you will start to see that translate to revenue. And last, don't worry about stalking companies on Instagram. I do this all the time. You should learn the accounts that you love and watch what they do and why you love them. Is it the types of posts? Is it the stories that they're telling? Is it the beautiful imagery? Is it how often they post? Pay attention to what those companies are doing because they're spending a lot of money doing it and get inspired by them. Thank you so much. That is today's episode. I just wanted to remind everyone that the best thing you can do to help us is subscribe if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure to follow. That means you will never miss an episode. And I mean, who wants to miss an episode? Am I right? Okay. Please also spread the word to help us, whether it's on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, wherever you are, tell your friends and followers about SOS with Sonia. We love doing this podcast and we want to just keep jamming through it. Also, if you don't follow us already on Instagram, we are at SOS with Sonia. That's SOS with S-O-N-J-A. Thanks for listening.